Awesome, awesome, awesome worship. Just amazing, amazing. You might need to just push the master volumes up a bit as well. You know? um, when we were singing the song, the, the waves and wind, know his name, is the waves and wind, and I was standing there and I felt like somebody, had, I thought somebody had opened the back door, that there was a breeze blowing through. And there was just there was the sense, the presence of the Holy Spirit moving. I raised my hands and it felt like somebody was blowing on my hands. And just the Holy Spirit is here. He is here. He is present. He's with you. He's with us. He wants to speak to you now. He's doing wonderful things. So just be open to that. As I stand there, I just really sense His presence. He is moving through this room and He's touching you. He's touching each one of us. You know, it was I thought somebody had opened the door because there was a breeze blowing around me and my hands had the wind blowing on them. The Holy Spirit is here. So just be open to what he's doing now. Let's pray. Father, you are awesome. And we do want to just speak the name of Jesus into every situation that we see and find ourselves in. And Holy Spirit, we just welcome you now. We just know your presence is here. You've already come upon me or come upon each one of us here. You are moving in our midst. Open our eyes to see and our hearts to hear, our minds to understand what you are doing in our midst now. We are your children, loved by you. And you desire each one of us to be known to you when we surrender ourselves to Jesus as Lord and Saviour. So come now, Lord, fill these words that you've given me with your presence and make them real to our hearts and to our lives. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Last week in our series, Lessons from the Life of David, we looked at the special bond that occurred between David and Jonathan when they encountered each other after David killed Goliath. If you missed the message, it's on our website uh, and our YouTube channel. You can watch it there. Now, David and Jonathan had a very special bond, but the same cannot be said about David and Saul, Jonathan's father. As we know, David was serving Saul as a musician, playing his instrument and worshipping whenever Saul came under attack by the evil spirit after, God, after the spirit of God had departed from Saul. When Saul went off to war against the Philistines, David would have gone back to his father's house and was sent from there to the battlefront to take supplies to his older brother. That's why he was there. He was at his father's house and got sent out. That was when David slew Goliath and the soul bond between David and Jonathan began. David was then taken back to Saul's residence permanently to serve Saul through his music and worship. And we just experienced how powerful worship can be, that the presence of God comes upon us when we are worshiping. Now it's sometime after this that Jonathan and David make the covenant. That we, that's what we looked at last week, and you can... Go and listen to the message there. David then begins to go to battle regularly. He is successful, and Saul sets him over the men of war. He becomes a commander 
in Saul's army. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the woman came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the woman sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 to 11. Now before I want to get on to what I want to say, I just need to comment about that last sentence. But David evaded him twice. Who was the idiot that gave him the spear back after the first time that he threw it at David? You know, what are you doing? Come on. You've just seen him in a rage throw the spear at David. Why give it back to him? That David has to avoid him twice. It couldn't have been a friend of David. <laughs> yeah, maybe David. No, I don't think he was that crazy. Yeah. We will never know who it was, but it does make you wonder. You're like, surely, he's thrown it once at David. Leave it there. Don't give him another one. So getting back to what I want to say. David is alongside Saul, his king, in these battles against the Philistines. And David is very successful. The army of the Israelites keep winning, and as they return triumphantly to Jerusalem, the ladies in the cities come out uh, as the army is passing by, being led by King Saul and David, and they begin to sing their praises. They declare how Saul had killed thousands of the enemy and David had killed tens of thousands of the enemy. Now, how the ladies knew these statistics, we have no way of knowing. And I can only speculate that there were people watching the battles taking place. Most probably those young teenage boys who were not yet old enough to fight, but were getting ready to go and fight. And they went to go and watch the battles. They could have then gone back to their cities ahead of the army with reports of the battles and told how well David had done in killing far more of the Philistines than King Saul did. The ladies are praising Saul and David for their achievements on the battlefield. They are celebrating the triumphant return of King Saul, David and the army. But their singing about David being more destructive in the battle than Saul really gets to Saul, and he becomes angry. He's upset. Now, have you ever been in a situation where you were part of a team, be it on the sports field, playing a game, or in the workplace, working on a project, where the team and the team leader are successful? The team win the game by a clear margin, or the work team deliver the project successfully with better results than expected. And the manager who appointed the team and the captain uh, or team leader gets really upset because they, the manager, do not receive the same praise as the captain or team leader is receiving. Why is this person so jealous of the success of the team leader and the team when they were the ones who appointed them in the first place? 
They appointed them because they had seen how well that person had done in the past and realized they were good leaders. Once again, we see Saul's insecurity. As we saw when he was offering the sacrifices, which he was not supposed to offer, to, uh, supposed to do for when Samuel rebuked him, when Samuel was late coming to meet with Saul. And Saul, instead of being proud of what David was achieving and being praised for, he was jealous of him and reacted badly by becoming angry. How can someone become angry when the person they had appointed to do a task does it so well that everyone else can see it and praises them for it, except for the person who appointed them? Jealousy and insecurity can do strange things to people in power who have the means to harm those under their authority. If you look back in recent history, in our own lifetime, your own lifetime, some of you are older, some of you are younger than what I am, but in our own lifetime, how in those nations of the world where there is or was a dictator in power, how so many of their countrymen that opposed them are or were incarcerated, interrogated, tortured, and many assassinated. Not because of what they had done, but because of the potential that they possessed to challenge the dictator for the leadership of the country. I think all of us can think of various situations when we look back in our lifetime. The civil war in Syria, most of us have forgotten about it. But it's been going on for over 12 and a half years. 12 and a half years the civil war in Syria has been going on. Now, no, we don't hear much about or hardly anything of it because of the Russian invasion of U Ukraine. That sort of topped the news. And now that's even overshadowed by the Israel-Gaza situation. The civil war in Syria is happening all because President Bashar al-Assad is desperate to hold on to power. He would rather see his country destroyed than be governed by someone else and he be removed from his position of authority and power. Going back even further, none of us were around at that stage, but I'm sure we've all read the account or know the account, how J Joseph's brothers were jealous of him because he was his father's favorite and he loved him and blessed him more than his other sons especially when he presented him with his coat of many colors. Joseph's brothers plotted to kill him, but fortunately they did not. Instead, they sold him into slavery. They would rather see their own brother be a slave than have him remain in their household. Jealousy can do horrible things to you. But believe it or not, not all jealousy is wrong. Did you know that one of the names of God is jealous. Did you know that? For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Exodus 34, 14. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Did that surprise you? God is a jealous God. God wants us, mankind, exclusively for himself. He created us to be in fellowship and relationship with him. 
He does not want us going, over, going after false gods and having idols in our lives. God is a jealous God. And we need to be jealous for the things of God, the plans and purposes of God for our lives. When something or someone tries to distract us or prevent us from being in the center of God's will for our lives, trying to stop us from doing what God has planned for us, and being the person God has purposed us to be, we need to learn to ignore these distractions and be jealous and zealous for the plans and purposes that God has for our lives. That's when we need to be jealous. Jealous for the people of God. Not jealous of them, but for them. Jealous to see the people coming into the presence of God. That's what he wants us to be jealous about. Those that are outside of the kingdom, he wants them in his kingdom. And we need to be jealous for that, to see people come into the kingdom. When we learn to live in the simplicity of living totally for God, then the world will see and be jealous of our peace and tranquility. Because they are busy chasing after the riches of the world, longing to satisfy the emptiness in their souls and in their lives, thinking or believing the more they have, the better they will feel. Which is a lie from the devil. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus came to give us life and life in abundance. John 10.10 tells us that. The devil comes to rob, kill, and destroy. He gets people chasing after fame, riches, position, and possessions. When all we need is a life fully surrendered to God through Jesus Christ. By being led by the Holy Spirit into the plans and purposes that God has for each of us. The devil tries to make people envious and jealous of those that are seen as successful and prospering in the world. But there's nothing here on earth that you can take with you when you die, apart from the souls and lives of those that you've shared the love of Jesus with. The only people we can take to heaven if we share the love of Jesus with them and they receive him as Lord and Savior. Saul is jealous of David and he rightly states that David is not only receiving more praise than himself, but unknowingly prophesies that he will become the next king of Israel. Saul is desperate to hold on to his position, possessions and power, while David is satisfied serving God by serving Saul, first as a musician and worshipper, and then as an army commander. David was not jealous of Saul and always honors him as the king of Israel even though he has been anointed to be the king. And the anointing of king has been removed from Saul. And we'll see more of this as we work our way through this series. Saul plots and schemes to try to get rid of David. He gives up on trying to kill David himself for a while and makes other plans to see if the Philistines could do the job for him. Then Saul said to David, Here is my elder daughter Merib. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. 1 Samuel 18, 17. As Jill said a few weeks ago when she spoke on David and Goliath, King Saul should have been at the forefront of his army, leading the army into battle against the Philistines. But he sat back, too afraid to stand up to the challenge of Goliath. And David had to do the job for him. 
Once more, he is delegating his role to David, asking him to fight the Lord's battles for him. This plan falls through, and Saul's elder daughter marries someone else. Saul plots once more, offering his younger daughter, who loves David, to be his wife. Once more, David is reluctant to marry the king's daughter, thinking he's not worthy enough to become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desires no bride price except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, that he may be avenged of the king's enemies. Now Saul thought to make David fall by the hands of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. Before the time had expired, David arose and went along with his men and killed 200 of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter Michael for a wife. But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. 1 Samuel 18, 25 to 29. Saul offers his daughter in marriage to David, not to see his daughter and David happily married, but rather as a potential way to get David killed. Once more, his jealousy and self-preservation is driving his decision-making. But once again, God is good to David and brings him through. And David presents to Saul double the required amount of bride price that was asked for. A double blessing on David. Jealousy can make a person do strange things. And Saul demonstrates this throughout this period of his life. He is jealous of David and is determined to destroy him. But he will not thwart the plans of God for David's life. The devil tries to do the same to us. He wants to destroy us and thwart us from fulfilling the calling and purposes of our lives. He will offer us all sorts of temptations to draw us away from Jesus Christ. But when we keep Jesus Christ central in our lives, the devil will not defeat us. He's already been defeated on the cross and through the grave and the resurrection. He will come against us because he's jealous of us and the plans that God has for our lives. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ and surrender your all to him and he will keep you, guide you and lead you into all that he has for you. Amen. Discussion time. Some questions. Our normal one, what stood out for you in this message? Keep it short, but uh, share what stood out for you, if anything did. Secondly, have you ever experienced jealousy in your life, either where you were jealous of someone or someone was jealous of you? How did you deal with it? Share. Okay. I'm sure we've all experienced it. And then thirdly, pray for one another. For those of you online, thank you for being with us. I trust that you will find someone to share these questions with or ponder over them, journal them. Um, and uh, thank you for being with us.